Coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California, I'm Anne. I'm Karen. I'm Katie. And this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. So, uh, hello. 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 Uh, this month we read Circe by Madeline Miller. Um, what did you guys think? I loved it. Me I too. loved every... <laughs> I was sad that it ended and I wanted to go back and I actually did start it again. I thought it about so good. buying the audiobook and starting it. I, I re-listened <laughs> to the-, the last couple chapters because I was kind of doing something when it finished and I was like oh it's over and I was like I got it and then today when I was driving in I was like I'm gonna re-listen to it just to make sure I had everything Mm -hmm. um but I will say I was skeptical when I started it because I'm famously not a fan of fantasy oh (laughs) and I was like I don't know if this is gonna be too close to that or if I'm gonna enjoy it but I automatically was like oh I love this okay it was great (laughs) that's interesting because I thought of it more as some like modernization of greek mythology Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't necessarily put like mythology into fantasy but i can see where those i could see them being adjacent yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i loved it okay i learned i thought i knew uh, i use i love greek mythology and Mm -hmm. i thought i knew but this actually introduced characters and elements of greek mythology that i were i'd heard of but i didn't really understand and so Mm -hmm. i thought it it made connections between Mm -hmm. the different godlike groups (laughs) Yeah, I the mean, hierarchy I, of yeah, the, of the it definitely strengthened my understanding of the like who remained after Zeus took took control. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's yeah. a good book. <laughs> yeah, I like that you got like a lot of like you were saying. I learned a lot, and it wasn't all about like the heavy hitters in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. You already know everything about. Yeah. I was like, I hadn't heard of a lot of them or a lesser... didn't know anything about a lot of them it was it was fun to to read and then google and look at pictures of like what does that monster look like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i was thinking of the sting song caught between the scylla and charybdis <laughs> oh mm-hmm. yeah what's i'll be uh i'll be mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to look it up wrapped around your fingers you know it goes uh You'll come up with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> you could. I'm not trying here. to do fine justice to it. Uh, but I won't sing it. <laughs> my um, my son graduated from eighth grade today. <gasps> and each kid got uh, to have a statement read as their name was read. I thought it was very nice. And um, one of the kids rickrolled the audience. Oh, my gosh. That's and so funny. It is what? A rickroll is playing the um, Rick... Astley. Yeah, Rick Astley, never going to give you up. Oh, how awesome. But so at the beginning, she says, I'm going to butcher this. And we all, like Kevin and I thought it was going to be the kid's name. Uh-oh. <laughs> and instead, dun-dun-dun-dun, she sang like the whole verse or That's the chorus. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I was impressed. <laughs> my son thanked the lunch ladies. Oh, it's, stuck oh, in my, nice. it's stuck in my head now. Like the real ones that got me through all of this, the lunch ladies. And every teacher, except for the one he didn't like. Oh, okay. Um, and Christopher Lee. Okay. Uh, he's a he's a big uh, Dark Side fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it worries me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, 
You probably do better than the teacher announcing the Rick Astley song. All right, so I do have a summary. Uh, published in 2018, Circe retells the story of the ep- eponymous Greek mytho- mythological figure. Although traditionally viewed as a heartless, savagely beautiful witch who allures sailors, sailors to their death, the Circe of Madeline Miller's imagining is quite different. This Circe is a multidimensional, flawed, and empathetic character struggling to find meaning and worth in her immortal life. Through Miller's detailed and honest first-person narrative, which takes place over thousands of years, the evil witch becomes relatable. The world seems stacked against Circe from the start. No one expected much of the dime-a-dozen nymph called Hawk for her golden eyes and human voice. She grows up in a cold, disinterested home. The other nymphs, especially her siblings, mock her relentlessly, never allowing her to find any semblance of belonging. When her uncle, the titan Prometheus, was whipped before the other gods, Circe's gentle heart is saddened where the others are maliciously fascinated. In bringing him succor, she discovers a life-changing fact she does not have to follow in the footsteps of the other gods little does she know that she will go on to set herself apart from them more than anyone before as the years wear on cersei meets a young mortal despite i'm sorry desperate for compassion oh desperate for companionship she quickly falls in love his mortality however hangs over his her head like a guillotine for all she loves him he will one day die and leave her alone refusing to accept accept this cersei searches for farm pharmaca an herb endowed with magical properties so that's kind of a fun thing throughout the book right the words Mm -hmm. that become things we Mm -hmm. we know is similar or related using it she transforms her would-be lover into a god but does this does not herald her happy ending as planned instead he spurns her beautiful her for a beautiful nymph called Scylla in her youthful jealousy Circe decides to get Scylla out of the way for surely when then she will marry her beloved and live happily ever after after using the pharmaca on Scylla Circe finds out Mary finds not marriage but guilt. Scylla has been transformed into a six-headed monster that feasts on mortal flesh. When the guilt-ridden Circe confesses her sins, her power is determined to be pharmakia witchcraft, which goes beyond even the gods' limits. Fearing they cannot control her, the gods decide to exile Circe on the lonely island for Aia for all eternity. <clears throat> I love a word that has zero consonants in it. Yeah. (laughs) There Circe comes into her own, becoming a powerful witch, but life is never simple, not even for a goddess with magic at her fingertips. Over thousands of years, Circe meets many figures of legend, Daedalus, Ariadne, the Minotaur, Medea, Jason, and Odysseus. Odysseus, however, becomes not just a name, but her lover and dear friend. In Miller's reimagining, the tale of the spiteful witch and the brilliant hero is reformed as a complicated and compassionate, yet doomed courtship. Still, even when Odysseus leaves the island to return to his wife and child, he leaves Circe with a child, and the hope of her loneliness is ending. From her love of her child, Circe finds the strength to accomplish feats that stymied all others before her but she also learns the true depths of fear her child is mortal and vulnerable and even he will leave her alone once again when he makes his inevitable journey to the underworld despite this cersei proves herself a force beyond reckoning powerful and willful enough to successfully stand toe-to-toe with the greater gods to protect her son cersei follows the goddess's extraordinary life as she matures 
and changes through suffering, self-recrimination, life-changing relationships, and persistent the persistent march of time. She grows from a fearful yet compassionate nymph to an all-powerful witch. Perhaps greater than all of this, Circe eventually finds it within herself to not only challenge the gods, but to leave them f- behind forever, to live the life she always wanted, surrounded by the love she always was always denied. There you go. <clears throat> pretty concise telling, actually. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. An epic tale. Yes. Because <laughs> um, this book is reasonable. It's 385 pages. Mm-hmm. Very readable. Like, yes, I would very. S- like, I have to say, in my, as I age, my reading fluency has dropped off. Because <laughs> as a kid, I would sit down and just blow Devour through a book. A book. Yeah. yeah. And that's not so easy these days. Yeah. But uh, this was a book that I really like I'd sit down 20 pages went by and I don't even know where the time went yeah it's it was I thought I was thinking about this she does such a good job at balancing the fact that Cersei lives thousands of years and so many things happen in the book but none of it felt too fast and none of it was slow like Mm -mm. there was not a slow part in the book to be like dragged down by because there were so many things happening and how quickly it was moving but you never felt rushed. Nope. No, she blended from act from event to event within her life. I I didn't see the passage of time. Mm-hmm. It was like I was like living her life with her. And yes, I could see. Yes, people are aging, but it's almost like they're there. It's like two different timelines. We're on her timeline. Yeah. And everybody else is, and hers is the regular timeline. And everyone else is a little faster. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, when she leaves Daedalus, or Daedalus and she part, mm-hmm. like, it, it doesn't feel like much time has gone by, mm-hmm. but he has left the earth, you know? Right, yeah, um, he's gone. And but and then the, her ability to slow down and tell those finite stories, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. An Evening with the Sailors. Yes. Or um, her time with Odysseus, or her time as a mother. Like, mm-hmm. her time as a mother is about a third of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in reality, it's sixteen years of an, right. you know, epic lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I love her journey, like just every every piece of it, like her choice to be to separate herself from the gods and to gracefully accept her exile to mm-hmm. um, when she chooses to connect and and what she builds for herself. Mm-hmm. I feel like. This book really, we got to see her journey, her journey of maturity from young person wanting to have the love of a parent to a mature woman in her own power. Mm-hmm. It's like she had, to, it took her a long time to grow into that power in our years. But I think even in her lifetime, it took her a while to step into her own comfort of, oh, I don't, like you said, I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I have autonomy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you knew from the beginning with how meek she was and how, you know, everybody treated her that that was going to be what the point of it was. Like, you know, that she was going to end up finally coming into her power and, mm-hmm. and what she chooses to do with it. And the, and what she does choose to do with it was, like, so perfect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, you you don't get remembered through the the ages mm-hmm. if you remain the meek. Exactly. Um, I don't even know how. Just there's the meek. A, there's a <laughs> phrase about that, isn't there? About like what kind of women make history? 
Oh, uh, well, be- well behaved yeah, women well-behaved seldom women. make history. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's start with the questions. Okay. This book has conveniently provided us with questions, so I, I didn't that. have to go hunting very far. <laughs> um, I think the strength of her first book probably encouraged the uh, excellent support at the back mm-hmm. of the book. Um, her first book is The Song of Achilles, also wildly popular. Um, question one. Cersei struggles to find a place for herself as a woman in a man's world. How does her experience resonate with modern day challenges that women face? Mm, She's a good, um, what's the word? Someone you can, you know, fill in the blank on and, you know, relate to her situation, regardless of the fact that she was, you know, a god from thousands of years (laughs) ago, right? right. How does a mythological hero of... (laughs) Yeah, the the meta- several thousand years yeah. ago, she's so relatable. Yes, though, right. The metaphor of her life and her coming into her power can be related to, I think, by many women and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, minorities and and disadvantaged people who you know learn or decide that they're not going to take it anymore. Right, they're going to stand up for themselves, or they're going to carve their own way in the world. They're going to yeah. make their way in that. I think you could relate it no matter what your situation is. You know, it relates to modern day women. Um, but I think it would have related to women throughout history. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. I mean, it, it does. Um, I um, think that her ability to stand apart from her personal history is is really important. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she took a very different path to power than her mother. Right. Right. Her mom knew, well, I mean her, she did one thing in common with her mom. Her mom knew that she had to, um, she couldn't be as willing as other nymphs. She needed to. Right. Take control and become the wife of Helios. Mm-hmm. And yet, like that's still a very typical way sure to gain power um so i was very impressed that she took her own path even yeah. though she like she came to that knowledge watching someone be tortured mm-hmm. <laughs> because she comes to her understanding of she must confess her behavior from prometheus's example of he could have kept it secret that right. he mm-hmm. gave the fire to to mankind, um, but he went willingly and confess, confessed to Zeus, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, a later question, but we'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, she's very, very relatable to, um, you know, what women face and also like going deeper than skin deep. Because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are going to perceive you in a certain way, right? Like society's perception is a veil over all our eyes. So here's a a woman on her own. She must be defenseless. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Here's a quiet person who doesn't appear to have all the same talents that I have. Mm -hmm. Like the other gods relating to her. And yet she she's so powerful, she can vest the most powerful gods. Mm-hmm. Um, she does get taken unawares by the sailors the first time, mm-hmm. uh, but never again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so beating, beating the perception and showing yourself to have greater talent. Yeah. Um, I than think what's that's, expected of you. 
I also think like you like relating her story to, you know, your story or something that you experience as a woman, you know, moving through this world. I think like, well, yeah, but she was a God, you know, <laughs> like she was a witch. She had magic power. She, you know, had all of these advantages that I don't have as a human being, but what does she choose to be at the end of the book? Yeah. To become a mortal <laughs> yeah. and to give up her deity altogether. I'm sure that's a question and coming. Yeah. But go ahead, Karen. But the thing to remember is she didn't know her powers. She did. At the point that she, there's a point where she finally discovers that she can do something. And that's yes. when her brother says, it's about effing time. Yeah, hey, dummy. How did you not <laughs> see this? You're the only one that did. Because when she was with the others, their, their constant aggressiveness to try to force her into what they, how they were and how they expected her to behave kept her from being herself. I feel like that it was because she was banished that she finally got a breath and she got to the opportunity to try to be herself without constant, you know, uh, conflict. She didn't see it as a gift at first, but at first, at yeah. first, <laughs> but after a while, it's like, she, it's like, you know how it is when you're in school, you want to be liked by the popular people, but you don't really want to be like those popular people. You know, it, I'm saying in my, in my experience, the popular people are not very nice people. <laughs> yeah. But the popular people <laughs> in my school, some of them were very nice people. Mm -hmm. And I was friends with one of them who was a very nice person that I really enjoyed. So it was frustrating to want to be with them and also want to be like them because yeah. 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 Because I did like them. Because <laughs> I don't want to say popular people can't be nice. Yeah. But in this type of peer pressure sense. This where... is a very, like the gods are a personification. Like they are personifications. Yes. In their, they're distilled personifications of. of Whatever they represent. Yeah, yeah. Of like one aspect of humanity or nature. And so it's a perfect microcosm of the worst of us. Yeah. Because even though they're supposed to be above humanity, really they are just amplifications. Whereas she's sort of, because of their her mixed background and that got mixed and more mixed, you know, as as the, it, she, she. What do you the, mean mixed background? Okay, so she what in the different class structure of the gods. Okay, her people were at the bottom of the bottom. Yeah, and so they always it was there was a sort of hierarchy in that they knew if these higher levels bred in a sense that they would get they knew what they would get but as you went down and she and her brother were anomalies yeah they didn't know what to do with them and yeah. as someone who's <laughs> i totally could relate to that it's like not being she's not neurotypical of the gods right Whatever. That's what well, I do. Well, that's fine. That's your your way that you're relating to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on the subject of her choices in the mm -hmm. last chapter, chapter twenty-seven. Here's where the spoilers begin. <laughs> um, this is some of the most artful, as like a grammarian. Mm. This is some of the most artful writing 
I have ever encountered. The last chapter is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen paragraphs. Mm-hmm. She's in this glade. She's cast. She's made a potion. She's casting oh, a spell. So beautiful. Oh. <laughs> um, and she goes. I just want to read two paragraphs, mm-hmm. maybe three. <laughs> Um, perhaps I told myself it would not be like that. Perhaps all I hoped would come to pass in Telemachus and I would go to Egypt indeed and all the other places we would cross and recross the seas, living on my witchcraft and his carpentry. And when we came to town a second time, the people would step out of their houses and greet us. He would patch ships. I would cast charms against biting flies and fevers. And we would take pleasure in the simple mending of the world. The vision blossomed. Vivid as the cool grass beneath me, as the black sky overhead, we would visit the Lion Gate at Mycia, where Agamemnon's heirs ruled, the walls of Troy, their stones chilled by winds from ice-peaked Ida. We would ride elephants and walk in the desert at night beneath the eyes of gods who had never heard of Titans or Olympians, who took no more notice of us than they did of the sand beetles toiling at our feet. Mm. He would say to me, that he wanted children. And I would say, you don't know what you are asking of me. And he would say, this time you're not alone. Mm. We have a daughter and then another. Penelope attends the birthing bed. There is pain, but it passes. We live on the island when the children are young and visit often. She weaves and casts spells while nymphs glide around her. However gray she gets, she never seems to tire. But sometimes I see her eyes turn to the horizon where the house of the dead and and its souls wait. The daughters I dream of to life are different from Telognus, different from each other. That's where I'm going to stop. There are three shifts in tense mm-hmm. and it's so so smooth perfect yeah it's it's such absolute. a perfect way to tell of what's gonna happen in the future without it ever happening. you don't need a whole nother book to tell you because this life this is just her imagination of what she wants and, and she knows that with her you know magic she can use the power to make what she wants to happen so they don't need to tell us anything about what happens in her future because you already know how perfect it's gonna be it's, because mm-hmm. she can so perfectly written yeah (laughs) normally that's like a bad no-no right right. and she takes Mm -hmm. this huge violation of tense and turns it into perfection Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i was floored by that (laughs) i'm like wait a minute did that just happen yeah like it all became reality right in front of us and like all a dream (laughs) (laughs) in three paragraphs yeah (laughs) i love Um, how um I think it's uh, Penelope says that Odysseus said of her, like, he never met a god that enjoyed her divinity less. Yes. So I was like, well, isn't that so perfect? Yes. A central theme at Homer's Odyssey is a longing for Nostos, homecoming. In what way is that theme reflected in Circe's story? I think it's not necessarily like. I think it's about her discovering what she wants her home to be. Yeah. Because she's stuck on this island for what she perceives as eternity until she decides that that doesn't have to be that way. Heck no. But then at the end, she comes back 
and she lives there and she raises i mean we don't know in her visions she raises her children there the and they're telling and us they revisit often yeah. that she, that that place that she was banished to that a lot of people could and she did for one point you know in her life find it lonely and and sad and she didn't want to be there and she wished that she could get out but then she carved it into a place that she felt comfortable and she made it into a home for her and her child so much though that she wants to come back to it even Mm -hmm. though she doesn't have to ever again yeah i thought when they left like sailed away Mm -hmm. after she declared that her yep her exile was ended that that's was gonna be it that they were then gonna go on to their adventures i was surprised that they returned so, so swiftly soon. i had a wondering because she picks the flowers in crete and like mm-hmm. where is she putting those mm-hmm. but i didn't expect her to go home so quick yeah i feel like her that nostos the longing for a, a place to be home she didn't have that place before and yes she made that a place but i think she wanted the autonomy to say so until she had the freedom to say i have the she i can come and go now I, I choose this to be home. It's not really her home until she ha- gets to have the voice to say, this is my home. Mm-hmm. Rather than a place she was placed, when yeah. she right. returns, yeah. it is really her home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though she's given it away to Penelope at that point. Yeah. She, in a sense, Later on, you know? we're going to talk about her. I just, I love that. Um, <laughs> what about also like her being at home in her? Yeah. You know, like that's. Yeah. To feel comfortable in her in herself and yeah and in her power and who she is mm-hmm. and the things that she can change about herself and the things she knows she can't you know mm-hmm. and acknowledging it being a the that life being a good fit is everywhere too like mm-hmm. Odysse- Od- odysseus is comfortable there yeah and he almost would make excuses to stay mm-hmm. but um but really it's not his home mm-hmm. so to Telogonus. Telogonus. Yeah, he mm-hmm. finds... he he's, It's never his home. No. Mm-hmm. It's where he's born, but it's never his home. And Te- Telemachus, like, he makes it his home. And, mm-hmm. you know... Because where he that lived... That shifting of who it's right for and who it's where not. Where he lived was always his father's home. <sighs> it was never really his place. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he was super comfortable there. Anyway. Well, she, um, she names so telogonus means far from home like she already faded him mm. to yeah. not that his birthplace was not his home yeah <laughs> mm. um how does cersei's encounter with prometheus change her how does it continue to affect her actions i think it's the source of her morality mm-hmm. mm. yeah and empathy Here's someone who was of high standing and he, he was willing to walk. He, he, what he, he gave himself up. He didn't fight it. Mm -hmm. He, he sacrificed his comfort forever because of his empathy for humans Mm -hmm. and his morality, like you said, drove him, I think to put himself aside, which is something none of the other gods. And I almost think, are you sure Prometheus was not her father or something? I guess because <laughs> there's that gene that she definitely. I, well, um, she, he's an uncle, right? I guess they're yeah, in a, in a sense that they're all uncle. uncles. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
I suppose Zeus would count more as a like some sort of cousin because he's a, a child right. of a titan mm. and she's a child of a titan. Because her brother doesn't have the empathy. Well, no. none of her. She, but, but she's more like her uncle or whatever he is to her than isn't he your uncle? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Wait, who? Prometheus, Prometheus is her uncle. Okay. Yes, absolutely. She is more like her uncle than anybody else. Her brother, I don't think, I think the, the two of them are the unicorns of the family. Yeah, it, I think, uh, I think you're giving you think? Aedes a little too much credit. He seems to be pretty awful. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, no, I'm saying her, her no, her brother is not like her. No, I'm saying she is like her uncle. Yeah. Oh, Prometheus and Cersei are unicorns. Yes, yes, are unicorns. You know, her brother is just like the others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I on a side it's, note, I got thinking, because like, Cersei is a name used by George R. R. Martin, right? It's a key character. Like, was he ch- was he referring to this Cersei in that choice? Mm, you know, probably because lions are the sigil of that family. Um, mm. Anyway, that was a complete side note. Uh, <laughs> um, throughout the novel. Cersei draws distinctions between gods and mortals. How are each of them portrayed? How does Glaucos change when he becomes a god? Which is a word I've never heard in my life Hmm. before reading this book. So that would be a character that I didn't know about. Yeah. But then we were, I found this guy on um, Instagram who's making states out of their. Oh, out of the wood. Yeah. Yeah. And he was describing this south, this pine in South Dakota that has a bluish green tint as oh, as glocking. Glock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and in fact, it might be oh. in the name of the pine too. And Do I you get like, the word glaucoma from it? Oh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't ever heard of him no. before either. And then, like last week, mm-hmm. I heard it used as a color descriptor, which is the color that, that he, he turns. Is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> yes. So, I, you know, I'm. We were. I was reading this a couple. You know, this uh, a couple weeks ago, right after I'd been reading it. I drive along 126 coming home, and there was all kinds of traffic. And what's in front of me? Um, but Athena, <laughs> uh, construction, and and Cersei, something else. On, oh, that's uh, two different businesses in the same second traffic. I'm like, that is just really bizarre. That's weird. I'm like, <laughs> and I wanted to take a picture, but I'm driving <laughs> and I don't have one of those things that I can flip around and take a picture. Yeah. It's like, oh, anyway, that's funny. I so, thought that was interesting. I, yeah. how, how are the Glo- more? Sorry, Glockulus yeah. is a color. Yeah. It looks like <laughs> periwinkle ish. Yeah. I guess it's also Glockulus. Glockulus. That's my yeah. new favorite color. It's a great blue, <laughs> actually. I think it's, it's a, a great color. blue. I have some it's nice an awkward name. Glockulus. Yeah. Sorry, can you uh, restate the question? Oh, yes. Uh, throughout the novel, Cersei draws distinctions between gods and mortals. Mm. How are each of them portrayed? How does Glaucos change when he becomes a god? So I think she portrays mortals as um, good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. Good, and also she sees the value in their strength. Because she talks about how, you know, as a god, as a, you know, as immortal, whatever. But, like, all of the things 
that humans have to go through all of the pain and suffering, all the scars, all the, all the, you know, how short their life is. And yet, you know, they still persist and they do the things that they do and they, you know, still make a family and do what they think is right because that's all that they know how to do. So it, 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 I think she perceives them as, as strong. Whereas the majority of the gods besides her and Prometheus, apparently don't give at all about humans except for their praise and adoration that they can yeah give how mm-hmm. humans can serve them right like the thing i always will remember about zeus is he's he's getting down getting down to earth and getting down yeah exactly <laughs> now di- just a sidebar i did not uh, really understand much about the titans and the whole political balance between titans who were really mm-hmm. the pre the uh, the old guard of of the gods and the Olympians, mm-hmm. you know, Zeus's and how there's just this tenuous peace being held. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, we're both kind of for now, for now, <laughs> yeah. but it's always, it's like that her father was willing to sacrifice her to keep the peace. Cause he didn't really care. No, <laughs> but the, it's like, you can't keep acting this up. You know, I don't want trouble from Zeus. It's like, wow, really? You're giving, she doesn't know the power she has. If she can upset until she does. Yeah. Oh, until she does. And she's like, you want me to go tell Zeus? I'll go tell him right now if you want me to. I'll start (laughs) this war. I don't care. (laughs) Which I adore that she's just been quietly eavesdropping. I'll burn the mother down. (laughs) I know so much about what you and my uncles talk about. I can go tell Zeus everything if you want me to. Yep. I got got days and times. Plenty of time. So I think that she portrays the um, mortals as aspirational almost. Yeah. And gods as selfish, petty, mm. nothing good. Like, um, you know, I was reading, I, I lost my momentum um, with with the Odyssey. But every appearance of Athena in there, I'm like about halfway. Um, it's good, you know. Yeah. It's oh, a blessing. Yeah. It's, it's very it's, different. From it moves everything way. on. Yeah. Um, especially with how Telemachus talks about mm-hmm. Athena and her his relationship. Tell me, from the Odyssey's version or from this version? It the Odyssey varies from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very this much. portrayal of all the gods, most especially Athena, because the Odyssey I mean so far my experience of it only has Athena actively with like mentions of Zeus and Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's the difference between a male's yes. view of this gorgeous goddess and a woman's view? Well, of I mean, her as a petty. Yeah, because Homer's petty. the original author. Um, I'm of course reading a translation, um, also translated you don't by a man. Ancient Greek? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm like, uh, Google, how do you say these names? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Glaucus, yeah. she says it very well that the, his god's head pushed his humanity away. Yeah. That he, he had no more. And now he went from this like generous, sweet, conscientious, fearful to completely yeah. pig headed, full of himself and his own beauty. Yeah. You know? Doesn't think well, twice since, about her. No. Since Not the, at all. No. Since the, I I felt that because he was also sort of her first love, mm-hmm. that she had a very naive view of what she didn't have enough experience to see what he could be. Of course, he's presenting his very best side to her. True. Absolutely. And she doesn't have any worldly experience whatsoever. And I feel like the key words in that spell is let their true self 
come out. Ah. See, yeah. and because in both because in both cases, whether it was Scylla, but it wasn't she was their a monster self. It was what she wanted them to be. Mm. Oh, it's but did, I, she, I she didn't want him to be a monster. I, well, that tells her that that like yeah that Scylla wasn't destined to be um I mean she was because that's what her name means but like that's not her true form that's what it may not Cersei be Cersei wanted her to be so when Cersei turned Glaucus into a god it was what she wanted for him it might not be what his true form was. But once he became a god, because I believe that as a man, he was genuinely a good man who would have, you know, if she was immortal. Because of his humanity, you think maybe his humanity yeah. kept him because uh, if grounded? You, if you became a god and could do whatever you want and live forever, you probably would lose your humanity pretty All quickly, too. All the yarn too. forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says, I gathered those flowers of true being and brought them to the cove where it it was said Scylla bathed each day. Mm-hmm. So in her mind at that time, it's, That's what she thought it's was the happening. true ah. self. But Aedes does come back and say, unsilly girl. Yeah, does that what you it think was or your was will. it what you want? Yeah. Because yeah. witchcraft her... is all about will. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Do you think yeah. the word Priscilla, the name Priscilla has any relation to Scylla? I don't know. Other than just yeah. a core, I mean. I think et- etymology of words is fascinating, but yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, Priscilla is such a pretty name. <laughs> I mean, Scylla is a pretty name. Yeah. I don't know. Something about it, I don't I don't like the look of the word. Okay. I don't know why. It's, it might be the S-C-Y. It's not like yeah. a If it was an I, it would, might be different. If it was a Y, it's more like it like it reminds me of that. What is that kind of blade that's curved that's like a silk? I don't know. I don't know. I think I'll have to think about it later. Anyway. <laughs> um, so that's interesting that his humanity kept him tempered and the transformation took the lid off of that. Yeah. Um, it's like a if you guys watch Buffy, Vampire Slayer, and The Way Back, you know, no, or I mean, any vampire I, tale is like you get transformed, yeah. the demon Buffy. comes in, you're still this lovely human, but not really. Right. Like any yeah. trace of humanity is gone, and you're I just mean, a monster now. In the way that they talk about it, and the way that an experience of being a human feels like sometimes, that you're so bared down upon as a human, and all of the things of your day to day life, like his father and his. And his fishing and, you know, they're not catching enough fish. He's just got so much crap to deal with as a human <laughs> that as soon as it's all taken away, I can understand feeling like you are completely unstoppable. You can do whatever the hell you want because you don't have to think about any of those things anymore. And you could have anyone and anything you want. Exactly. It, it's fame, too, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's an uh, allegory yeah, for going fame. To a shed. Yeah. Um, Scylla did not have that experience of fame. No, because she's people... also famous or infamous, right? right. <laughs> Everyone knows her name by yeah. the end. <laughs> it's like someone who wins the lottery, uh. go off completely off the deep end, and yeah. then end up ruining their lives. Well, she doesn't see the border because she gets to live outside of the borders and their rules. She she is willing to dare things that others didn't like. You know, maybe you want to talk about that later about when she goes and takes what the golden tentacle or something, or what was it that creatures? Tail oh, tr- the um, tail, trigon. The, the trigon. trigon. Now, is that tail, is he like a a sea scorpion? He's a ray, he's a manta ray, ray, oh. which I didn't get for most of it. I was yeah. imagining like some kind of like 
triangular shape thing. And then when I understood he was a ray, I was like, that's the end of a spear. Oh, okay. okay. That makes it way more sense. I Googled Trust me. it and I was like, oh, okay, got it. I know. I <laughs> In my brain, he was, was just... so like amoebas and like, yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. The great about. wings. Oh, okay. Now I get it. He yeah. See, for the some wings reason, of a he was like a weird sea scorpion because yeah. that tail could come and strike you but yeah. i'm like well no okay now array that he's the that manta ray god or whatever how did i not it. see that trust me the spear in my head the spear looked real dumb yes. for a long time <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end when i understood it was the spot like the tail the of a manta ray barb, like, yeah okay that's reasonable as spear yeah <laughs> Also less dangerous because mine was like sticking out on the sides, <laughs> sort of like a tricorn hat. You know? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no wonder it poked Odysseus in the uh, Odysseus. Uh, Odysseus. Odysseus in yeah. the face. Uh, which is spoilers for the other book I'm reading. I did not know that's how his end came. Oh. <laughs> Cersei wonders if parents can ever see their children clearly. She notes. So often, when we look at our children, we see only the mirror of our own faults. What part of herself does she see when she looks at Telogonus? What are her strengths and weaknesses as a parent? So loaded. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think she's right. That statement is absolutely truth. We see only the mirror of our own faults. Yeah. And maybe more so depending on how much your parents express that to you, too. (laughs) Um. So she looks. She when she looks at Telogonus, she sees wildness. Mm-hmm. She sees restlessness. She also sees his charm and ability to bring people to mm-hmm. to him. Um. Yeah, it, she's he's so different from her that you would assume raising a child in that situation and she even says like he never paid attention at all to any of the magic that she tried to instill in him or anything that she tried to teach him he didn't pay attention she thought at least um Mm -hmm. and you would think that raising a child that way they would end up maybe more like you you know but he couldn't she's somewhat content in her um exile at that point at least and he like can't wait to get out of there to the point where she's like well no of course you can't go anywhere you know even though he's not exiled you know the, yeah. the rules don't apply to him the same no, way they not. do to him to her so it would be hard to raise i mean i don't know i don't have any children but i can imagine for her from her perspective raising a child that seemed that ungrateful would be a huge challenge and it seemed like she was, I mean, she was struggling for the first yeah. half of his life, at least, you know, just trying to keep him from killing himself and jumping off a cliff, <laughs> it seemed like. Yeah. Um, but I think she, like, his nonconformity to her kingdom, let's say, mm-hmm. like, that's very parallel to her yeah. nonconformity to her kingdom, oh, yeah. right? Um, very typical, right? Children... Children yep. do not. <laughs> they do not want to conform to to what their parents want for them. Sure. Um, she has a lot of strengths as a parent. I mean, I felt very akin to her. I would do anything to protect my child. Like, absolutely anything. And mm-hmm. then she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. She sacrifices herself again and again yeah. to keep him safe. Um, there's nothing so powerful that she will not stand against it. Like right. that's that fierceness I think is her major strength as a parent. And then her willingness to give way once the danger is gone mm-hmm. and let him go be himself. Like it's so important to let your children be themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what do you think some of her weaknesses are or any other strengths? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about, um, this is not an answer to your question, but I was thinking <laughs> about how you said, you know, she would do anything. And then she does, she, um, goes to the deepest depths of the ocean to find Trigon and, you know, find a way to protect her child. And it ends up being so much simpler than she thought it was going yeah, to be. I and love when, that. And when Del, you're the says, first one who ever asked. He's like, yeah, you're the only one that ever would do it. Of course you can have it. And you know what I love most about it is she doesn't tell anybody uh-huh. how easy it was. That's true. You know, That's a that good she, point. Everybody's like, well, you went to the, you know, the deepest depths of the ocean to do this. Right? And, and she's yeah. like, I faced, you don't know what I've done, but she didn't tell anybody. Like, yeah, he just gave it to me. He just turned around and let me cut his tail right off. And I was like, are you sure? Yeah, I guess I try to when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just whenever. Well, that's more of her personal morality, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that she stands by what she's willing to do. Right. You know? And well, she, I, she got a benefit from it. Yeah. Well, and I noticed that even throughout the book, the 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 promise that she must return it, she didn't even though she kept it longer, she still it still weighed on her. Yeah, it's like okay. I know I got to turn it. I'm not she ready. Needed it for something. I need. I don't know what I needed. I don't even know if she knew what she needed it for, but it wasn't quite ready to let did. it go. You think she knew? I think she knew that she. Because I think when he doesn't, when he returns with it, she could have returned it right then. But I think there was some line or something about how she decided to keep it for some reason a little bit longer she just she doesn't tell us Mm. she's she just says i'm not i'm not done with it yet yeah my thought was because there was still danger from athena yeah because i thought she was afraid of the wrath because Mm -hmm. her the vision came true Mm -hmm. um i or that she felt some like guilty need to protect um penelope and Mm -hmm. um, telemachus because she wasn't bonded with them at that point. Yeah. If you want to talk about weakness, um, she's very closed off to her child as far as her own personal history. Yeah. And for good reason, because I think that she is afraid that he would be afraid mm-hmm. of her or not trust her or whatever if he knew what she had done. But he does end up knowing, mm-hmm. you know, eventually. And Telemachus also ends up knowing and is like, fine with it you know yeah i mean he helps her overcome what she has done you know at the end to to right the wrongs kind of um well that's back to your true self yeah mm-hmm. like the person who truly loves you can see the true yeah self that's true and he they don't turn away but her son wasn't that person you know that she didn't feel like she could be right. open with in that way which i you know can understand that being a parent you don't want your child to know everything about you and they may or may not ever or you may wait until they are an adult to tell them about Mm -hmm. certain things about your past you know but and if you have fears you don't want to teach your children to have the same fears you might have you want them to be able to stand and embrace life on their own in a sense which i don't really feel like she does Mm -mm. i think she keeps him guarded 
to a point where he has to rebel because he can't, you know, he needs to get off of the island, you know. Mm-hmm. She could have raised him less of less afraid in her mind, even though he didn't seem to be afraid of at all of, you know, what could happen to him. Mm-hmm. Isn't there one part where she goes, all this time I could have been, t- I could have told you, I could have prepared you for the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's didn't. exactly what I was thinking she about. Is she, yeah. she paints a rosy picture of the yes. world. Yeah, she does. She and lies she- about all of the things that her, that his father had done. Yeah. He doesn't know his true father. Nope. And when he's out ready to go leave and find him, she's like, oh crap, maybe I should have told him some more truth and yep. less lie. Yep. <laughs> Is it kind of like the situation where, you know, the dad takes off and leaves the mom to fend for herself. And so she tells the kid, oh, he was a war hero or he was an astronaut or some great thing that he, that he'll have this great opinion of this imaginary father. Yep. Not knowing, oh, well, but I think in a way to protect him, all of those things about him, you know, I think that she knew his faults and his attributes, but she loved him regardless of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that he was just a a comfort to her in the way that um, Hermes was. You mm-hmm. know, she legitimately cared for him, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that she can believe all the good things or maybe she just wants to believe all the good things that she you know tells well children yeah. about it children find their self-worth in their parents because mm-hmm. your parents are part of your identity sure so you know you find a certain amount of your identity in their right value in the world so sometimes when you are negative about a parent that creates a negative self-image mm-hmm. for the child. So, I mean, maybe that's an aspect too of not just trying to protect him from the horrors of the world, but also to that's provide to that to yeah to build him up. I Makes don't know. Guess, yeah, because you don't want your parent to be bad mouthing the other parent. Mm-mm. You know, like everybody well, knows that that's not a good way to to well, raise a child, regardless of how you feel Odysseus about it. But Odysseus didn't even know about Telegonus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's the contrast between the fa- the father image in Telegonus's mind versus the re- the experience the father that Telemachus uh-huh. encountered actually knew actually knew and the bitterness of it, it it reminds me of like when my aunt died I had I encount I got to re- reunite with my half brother and he and I both were raised separately by our mother and we had very different experiences. Mm-hmm. And I was very, I didn't talk about her to him because I didn't want, I knew that he had a different experience than I did. You don't want to taint And it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. taint his experience. And also here's this person that has this great image. And then how is our, that's not a good way to connect, start, have this yeah. connection with him as the one who's bad mouthing the only mother he ever knew. And it was better for me not to say anything. He ended up learning more about what her true nature was on his own. And that was better because yeah. I, I don't, it's, it's not for me to, to, to take to away the, ex, to spoil the experience that he had just because I did not have that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a perfect segue to the next question. Cersei's sister. I don't know if I agree with this question just as I read it. Um, oh, that's her sister, Pacify. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. Um, is it an I sound? Pacify. Okay. Pacify. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just Pacify in my head. <laughs> Cersei's sister, Pacify, begins the novel as a major antagonist. How does our perspective of her change after Cersei's visit to Crete? 
I my perspective of her didn't change. No, she no. just maintained to be an awful because presence in her she's life. She's horrible. Yeah, like you know my my sister didn't have the thoughtfulness that you had as a sister to your brother. She has said poisonous things that have leached into my relationship with my mother. She did not have a respect for the fact that my relationship with my mom was one thing Mm -hmm. and her relationship with my mom is another thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is a a terrible thing to do. Um, And pacified, she not only amplifies the poison Mm -hmm. in the family, but she spreads it by planting the seed Cersei thought she had a special bond with her brother. Yeah. And her sister strips that away. Yeah. Yeah. He's never liked any women. Yeah. He liked that you tended to his needs. Yeah. That you paid attention to him. You served a purpose to him. Yeah. Yeah. And it completely spoils the way that she remembers. Yeah. It was heartbreaking when her brother left and didn't take her with him mm-hmm. and you were like well why not because you were under the impression it's told from her perspective that he loved her just as much as she loved him i mean i have to give him a little credit for his coming to say hey we can all do this yeah because the other two didn't no and um and but yet it was only to serve his own means there yeah. too because yeah. it's like okay it's time for me to tell because you're all gonna find out anyway yeah yeah so anyways uh, don't be too mean to Cersei. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm not going to help you ever again. Nope. <laughs> but I feel like Pasiphae was trying to do what she was a horrible person brought up in the culture that that is how you survive and that's how you do things. Yeah. That you cannot trust someone. You cannot give anyone an, any, an inch of compassion mm-hmm. or it will cost you. And that's the type of, that's how she was raised. I think yeah. being so much older, that may be also... That is the world that she was exposed to. Isn't she older than? Cersei's the first child. Cersei's the first child? Mm -hmm. This whole time. Pasiphae and um, Persis are born so close together that the father forgets if they're twins or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are they born from different mothers? No, they're all... That's um, how they get their They're all Persis' daughter and son. Perseus. No. Perseus is the son. Perseus Perse is the son. is the mother. Perse, yes. Um, and she's forbidden to have. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, well, you, you know can't what? have anymore. No, I think Cersei's you know is the last one because she's like, because he's like, if this is how it's no, I think there is Cersei's the first child. That's how the book opens. <laughs> but there, but when she's she rebel, the last to reveal herself. Yeah, she's the last. That's what it is because he's like, and the mother's like. She's awesome. I'm gonna have a gazillion more. Yeah, so and much amber like, around my neck. <laughs> yeah. and and he's like, nah, nah. Zeus <laughs> was like, no. Yeah, Zeus. Zeus's condition was that there'd be no more. Okay, yeah, Zeus's rules are the okay. Ones. So isn't this wild that that their father let some other man dictate whom he has children? I mean, that level of intimacy or control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um. Speaking about pacify and how you're saying she works within, she works within the system that she knows how to work within. Yes. Like which, her mother. Which comes to yeah. fruition into the fact that she literally is like, it gives birth to a beast, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's because so it's proud. the only way that she knows to get any sort of respect, any sort of uh, attention, you know, mm-hmm. for anybody yeah. to pay attention to her. She could have gone the way of... 
um, Cersei and used her witchcraft that she knows, you know, she's not as good, but she could have been if she tried. But she's like, you know, I know a pretty easy way that I, well, didn't seem that easy. <laughs> a, a way that I could, you know, get some attention being paid to me, you know. Cut it out of me. Um, yeah. And doesn't care what happens to anybody in the process of that happening, including Cersei and Daedalus. Yep. But look, this is how awful a sister she is. She could have called anybody, but she intentionally called Cersei so she could just torture she, her with She this. couldn't call anybody because she knew the brothers would not help her. Yeah. Okay, that's true. And there's that's no true. one else she could trust with it. I think she knew like Cersei, Cersei does think like why the heck is she torturing me with this? Yeah, but then Pacifae does say like no brothers would not come. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of them know her power before she knows it herself uh, and take yeah. advantage of the fact that she, yes. that she doesn't know her yeah. own power. Yeah, and that's how they you know treated her as a child and yep. into her you know before she's um, outcast and then afterwards as well. So I think that. Pacify choosing to call on Cersei was not only to humiliate her and mm -hmm. to put her in a position like that, but also because she knows that she is a strong witch and if something happened, she would be there and she is well, powerful. I thought it was so unfair when we find out that it's Pacify's goal to create a monster yeah. with her bestiality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I also wondered, like... Okay, one thing at a time. Mm. It's not fair that it's Daedalus's fault. Right, why is it yeah. his fault? When he made her the thing she asked for, yeah. and then she used it the way she intended. Yeah. And yeah. It's not his fault. It's not his, his... It's, you know, it's his burden in life that now he has to deal with the Minotaur and has to build the labyrinth in order to like keep it contained because he feels like it's his burden to... But it's not... You're right. He, that's not fair. It just do everything she said to do. But he knows that if it doesn't no make it his problem, nobody's going to. No one made her lay down with that beast. <laughs> she wanted to do she it. She wanted to do okay. Yeah. So Zeus comes to Earth and he comes in different forms, including a sacred cow, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure that was just Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's being all tricky, thinking yeah. they're doing something. Everybody's just sleeping with everybody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it runs in the family. Yeah. Wait, wait. Is that why Zeus really loves monsters? Because they're his children? Yeah. 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 Because no, they sure. say, no, 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 you can't kill these things. They thrive on the monsters. I loved Ariadne's like, love for him, though. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, how does Cersei's time with Daedalus affect her? She finds real love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she finds that she is worthy of love. Yeah. That she is lovable. That mm -hmm. Yeah. Because up until this point, no one has loved her. And I think she gets, I think at that point she confirms what she believes to be true is that humans are worthy of, you know, that they're, that they're not all terrible or they're good or the way that she feels about them and the way that Prometheus felt about them is right mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. her experience with humans up to that point was uh, Glaucus mm -hmm. who did not end up being the way that she expected him to be mm -hmm. and ruined her perspective on it. So mm -hmm. I think not only it taught her that she's worthy of love, but also that humans are too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. he was mortal. And he gave her that beautiful womb. Yeah. He opened her to she didn't even more know what of her was. craft yeah. that she was then able to unlock and discover. Man, um, I would have loved to see that. 
Every time I thought of that, I thought about the one time, Katie, that I went to your um, your grandparents' house, and I saw your grandma's loom in that room, the whole room, and that mm-hmm. ginormous loom, and it was just beautiful. That is a dream to have a room, like a weaving room. <laughs> a weaving room. Yeah. Um, it's not going to happen in the house I live in because when my first, when the first bedroom is vacated by the children, it's going to become a walk-in closet. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daedalus's makes an indelible mark on her. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's like the first real <sighs> step towards becoming herself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cersei begins the novel feeling very close to her baby brother Aedes. Why do, do their past diverge so widely, wildly? Why do you think he makes the choices he does? Because he's a selfish god. Yeah. <laughs> he has the he walks in privilege as a male mm-hmm. too because mm-hmm. he has True. none of the women have autonomy really unless they scheme or connive mm-hmm. to, and steal to get it. Because pacify Go ahead. But being all the males, they can walk in whatever your privilege that they have. Well, on that, like, Pasiphae and Circe don't have any agency. No. Because no. she only serves to go off to Minos and be a, like, a treaty binder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then Circe has no value to them, only is threat. Right. You know? But the boys can go off and do whatever the heck they want to do. Like, yeah. What was Persis doing in in uh, in Persia? Like, yeah, like there's some scary stories probably from that, and I don't know any of those stories. No, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, you don't really know a whole lot about him. But he sounded dark and messed up. Yeah, it did sound scary. <laughs> hey, Ms. Author, that would be a really another book you could write. Right, Madeline. <laughs> write, write us that book. Write us that book. <laughs> I I think at some point she talks about like how every story. Every, you know that so and so was told or like all these epic tales they all um end with a woman being you know humiliated or put in her place or like she's learning her you know yeah. her, her point in life it's like why is every story about end up being about this you know mm-hmm. um so why did their paths diverge so wildly i think karen you put it very well that he has every privilege allowed to him mm-hmm. he can do whatever he wants yeah, she can't. Cersei has no agency to do that. Uh, Her path was determined by someone else. Until it, until, until it she, wasn't, until, right? <laughs> until she finally feels the, that breath of her own mm-hmm. self. Yeah. Why do you think he makes the choices he does? Because he can. Because he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cersei's nature is different and not different. Like, she's wrathful, mm-hmm. like her parents, mm-hmm. you know, every sailor comes. Yep. Odysseus is like, how do you know that none of them were good? Yeah, I just it doesn't know. Matter. I just know Not that at the men. core, they're all deserving <laughs> to be piggies. They're all pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about them still being sentient in their mind. Yeah. When I heard that story, that was so grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in Pinocchio where they go to... Uh, pleasure island mm-hmm. and they all become asses yeah but they're still themselves yeah in, yeah in in the donkey body or in spirited away when her parents become pigs oh although at that point i don't think that they re- retained their uh, sentience yeah. in the same way oh, very good um so he makes the choices he does because he can yeah <laughs> cersei tells us that she recognizes parts of herself in medea in what ways are the two women similar in what ways are they different? 
well, I think there's Medea. Medea and Jason. Yeah. Okay. Medea is you famous in storytelling. You saw me looking yeah. like a, when you're done with that cast of characters, pass <laughs> she, it this way. She's um, famous in storytelling because she murders her own children for her gain. There's another like very popular novel about Medea mm-hmm. as well. Um, cool. And I think there's some Greek plays about her too. Um, Jason is Jason of the Argonauts. So he's mm-hmm. yeah. a great hero. Um he was sent to take the golden fleece from Aedes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he would get his kingdom back um, for, because it was stolen from him from a, by a greedy uncle who promised to give it back if he could get this golden fleece, which right. is an impossible task, except Medea decides to help him. Mm-hmm. So Medea is daughter of Aedes and future murderer of her children <laughs> to spite her husband Jason um Cersei can see that their relationship is poisoned right um she and all that all that she saw comes true for Medea which leads to Medea's downfall um how are the two women similar extremely powerful sorcesses yeah Mm -hmm. like also wrathful (laughs) and also blinded by first love yeah you know yeah yeah yep because Medea would not hear Mm-mm. She would not hear reason. She instead um, accuses uh, Cersei of being lonely and jealous. Yeah. When Cersei really, she just sees what's on the horizon for her niece. And though right. she is so hungry and thirsty for companionship. But she doesn't realize she is until Medea speaks it. And then right. she's like, maybe you're right. Maybe I am lonely. Yeah. You know, I don't think she had realized that she was until somebody pointed it out to her. I think that's such an interesting thing to keep happening for Cersei. <laughs> and it's something I really relate to. Mm. Like one time someone important to me asked me if I was happy. Mm-hmm. Like, are You're you, like, well, are I you at least happy? It. And now I've learned that's a seriously poisonous question. Do not ask people if they're truly happy. Yeah. Cause then they'll start looking at it. Yeah. And then they might start making dangerous choices. <laughs> I didn't make dangerous choices. I did some daring things, but I guess you don't think about happy, not happy. You don't live think your about life. it. No, don't you just live your life it. each day. And... <laughs> yeah. Um, like or do, and then have an existential crisis and come out and be a different person. Yeah. But figure it out. That's another know. thing too. <laughs> um, but it happens more than once. What are some other times that it, people point something out to her where? She was going along and you could kind of see the truth of it once it's pointed out. Mm-hmm. Like. And you don't know if she's actively doing it or mm-hmm. if she's just, if it's out of her mind. On Self-fulfilling or, prophecy. Didn't right, it happen or, once when, when the main, when, when they decided, huh, this is our dumping ground for all the problematic maidens that we don't want to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't have a choice who we dump on your island because you can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. I, I think it's another representation of her being the like um, the victim to, of other people's perception of her yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so they're they're similar in their power in mm-hmm. a sense, mm-hmm. uh, um, but they're different in how they use that power and apply it. And um, their reaction to motherhood, uh, most certainly, because Medea well, yeah. is one of the most infamous mothers in all storytelling, um, and yet Cersei. Go ahead. I don't actually know her story, but I particularly she's like the Lizzie Borden of mothers. 
<laughs> yeah. So did you guys ever see the movie The Others? It's a Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. ghost story movie. Mm-hmm. That's an al- that's like a telling of Medea as well. Oh, okay. You should watch The Others. And I'm going to stop talking. I, and anyone else who's not sure about Medea. Writing that down. I always get my... <sighs> I always get the the next books or music or podcasts or movies particularly that I should watch from these. It's two. a good movie. The, it's it's <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, I, I'm impressed that you watched it, Katie. Cause oh it's yeah, a, it's a spooky movie. It is spooky, but it's I'm not. <laughs> it's so good though. Yeah, I didn't used to like movies with Nicole Kidman, but I've come to appreciate her as a as a strong woman in I have mixed feelings about her. Yeah. Yeah. But this is an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Excellent movie. Um and she she's considering what she does put a up great job. For it, so oh yeah. Been, so. I keep seeing I'm the like, meme of be as happy as Nicole Kidman off yes. she signed her divorce favor. <laughs> <laughs> um Cersei says to Telemachus, do not try to make I'm sorry, do not try to take my regret from me. What does she mean by that? Yeah. How has her regret shaped her? He, she says to him, like, do you feel the same way about all the maidens that you hung or hanged? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I will own that and I will think about it for the rest of my life. And it's, and it's a regret that I am going to have. So they share that the fact that like, I need to live with this regret in mm-hmm. order to learn that it's something that I need to move forward from or to right or wrong that I have made or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's her fault that Scylla is who she is and the way that she is. Yes. She could easily forget about it and, or I mean, not easily, she could choose to ignore it mm-hmm. and not take responsibility, and not take responsibility. But then she knows that she has this compassion for humanity and for mortals and knowing that Scylla is out there and, you know, eating 12 sailors at a time every day, you know, yeah. I don't know, for thousands of years, <laughs> it's, it's at some point not, when she I, can finally do something about it, she knows she needs to do something about it because it's, it's her responsibility. Yeah. And I felt like she had compassion, maturity and life over the ages have shaped her feelings towards Scylla. And how she made Scylla what she is. And it was, I feel like when she, she um, changed, when, you know, dealt with Scylla, that that was also her freeing Scylla from this thing that Scylla didn't have agency over. This was something that Cersei did to her. Yeah. It's, it's almost like in order for her to enjoy her freedom, she had to right these wrongs. There are... There are people who say, you know, if you ask, like, what's your biggest regret in life? They're like, I don't have regrets. You know, everything, you know, that I have experienced has shaped me into the person that I am today. You know, I don't I don't live with regrets, but that's bullshit (laughs) because everybody has regrets. And without them, you don't learn, you know, you don't. You're a sociopath. If you don't have any regrets on how you behave, you're you're like, I've treated everybody just fine. I've never wronged a person in my life. And even if I have, I don't regret doing it. (laughs) Even though you have hurt that person or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not a healthy way to live or to tell people you live because it's not true if you do think that, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a nice thing to think about that, like, I love my life now and I'm happy in who I am because it is, it because of the way that I am. So I don't have any, I don't regret anything that I did, but 
you can't become the person that you're meant to be without acknowledging without dealing with the regret right you can have both things be regretful and then also know that if you ever changed anything you wouldn't be who you You are to be grateful for those regrets yeah Yeah. it's it's the it it, and it is the human condition right so maybe Mm -hmm. that brings her closer Mm -hmm. to that desire for humanity Mm -hmm. because you have to have those like highs of Uh And perhaps in this case is like righteousness or good behavior and the lows where you are not your best self. Like usually we think of the highs of like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm having a good experience and the lows are like, oh, I had a sad experience. But maybe those highs are like when you are being your best self to when you are being your worst self. (laughs) Like, and then to want to do better from Mm -hmm. them. Like, um, we don't have the ability to have foresight, right? Uh, The way that. Cersei does. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does terrify me the idea, like, if you were given the chance to go back and change that one big gr- regret, sure. how, what would the outcome really be? You know, like, that's terrifying. Like, I've seen enough maybe, time like, travel movies to know that that's yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> to know that, yes, you regret that you did that, but if you took that out, what other bigger issue might you have? Yeah. Because that regret from that item that kept you from doing something in different future, or worse in yeah, the future. Like hopefully you've grown and changed because hopefully. of your regrets. Right. Like Cersei does, you know, I, I, I think it connects her to that desire for humanity. Um, and same for our dear Telemachus. Um, who would you have play Telemachus? If, in a movie? Mm. He's supposed to be like 30 ish. Right? Yeah. Serious, quietly, thoughtfully insightful. Mm. Katie's got it. No, I'm thinking about, I was telling James we were reading this book and he was like, can I suggest a movie for us to watch? (laughs) Which ended up being Attack of, no, Attack, no, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, of Um, course. It is. Oh, it's wonderful and terrible too. Yeah, no, I I I love, hate it too. about the people in that movie and how like, how, oh my God, it's, yeah, it's. Like I'm Liam Neeson sure. as Zeus and Ray Fiennes as Hades is so <laughs> cheesy, but uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So when you were thinking talking about casting characters, all I could think of was what's his name, Sam Sam Worthington, that plays uh, Perseus. Oh no, which no, because yeah. he, he's so unbelievable in that movie because he's just they choose him because he's like a handsome meathead, but man, that man cannot act. <laughs> like this is not convincing at all. <laughs> it's such a bad it's a bad movie it was really fun to watch and you know what i loved about it it was like an hour and 40 minutes i'm like thank you movie for not being one of those two hour long right when movies used to be like bite size like that i love that i was like this is perfect i could watch it in one night without falling asleep yep yep I so, miss I don't know who I'm going to cast, but it's nobody in that movie. <laughs> I mean, there are good actors in that movie because I love Ray Fiennes so much. So James is like, you'll love it. I was like, oh my god, this is actually so bad. a young Ray Fiennes might be a perfect well, what are his brother? Joseph. Yeah, he's a little older. He's a little too old. Well, let's. Yeah, I mean, it could just be anyone from Space and Time. How's that? Okay, <laughs> I want I want Oscar Isaac to play Odysseus. Okay, he's the guy. Yeah, from that's perfect. Yeah. Because he's watching has him on Moon that Knight, dynamism. But... Yeah, I'm he's disappointed in Moon Knight. I'm only yeah. on the third I'm not... one. Okay, well, I won't say more then. But I, I like you... that actor. Can I tell yeah, you what I'm disappointed about Oscar yes. Isaac? He voices um, uh, Gomez Adams, but he yes. would be the absolute perfect in real life Gomez Adams. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. that there's yes. not a live action yes sometimes you get in my head and you take it out (laughs) and you say the thing because we just watched i know we just watched that and i was like 
Why isn't he in real life? Uh, Can we make a, a, a live action movie and let Oscar Isaac? I can totally him? see him. I yeah. know. He's like, that is him. Me yeah, amor. He's Latin, yeah. smooth, suave, yeah. handsome, with but a also mustache. like goofy, too. Because yes. Gomez has to be a little oh, he's so goofy, goofy, right? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the last one was. He's um, charming. He's serious. He's badass, but he's also kind of funny and awkward. The previous Gomez Adams from the Adams families is uh, movies is um, also answers the same kind of description. Because in his serious acting roles, Mm. he'll melt your heart. Um, It's so sad that for such an excellent actor, his last movie was Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Why can't I think of his name? I don't know who that is. I mean, I know who he is. Yeah. I don't know his name. I'll Google it. Um. But he was a pretty, pretty Oscar Isaacs when not playing Gomez. Mm. Um, oh, where were we? Uh, we were talking about who we were going to cast. Yeah, but I think but that was topic. weirdly Louis that's not Cersei. in the reading group guide. Uh, Raul Julia, Raul Julia, Raul, Julia? Raul, Julia? Yeah. I don't yeah. know how you say Ju- his last Julia. Name. Julia. Yeah. Who would be Cersei? I don't know. I couldn't <laughs> get a good don't... grasp of what she looked like in my mind. The hair. What I does think her hair look like? I think I'm always like okay, because Penelope yeah. makes mention my hair doesn't match yours, and then she also said when they were out sailing on and they were stopping in shoreline, shoreline, mm-hmm. that if she kept her hair covered, she could be go I mean, under she the radar. Was like a glowing blonde, because mm. he. I mean, her eyes glowed Quite too. Quite technically, she all glowed. Yeah, daughter. right. Oh, so that's... I imagined her blonde. And yeah, young and beautiful, and I don't know. I don't know. That's true. Daughter strong, of the sun, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm terrible at this game of like picking <laughs> two. Well, sometimes I'm thinking about it the whole book. I mm-hmm. was not in this because, like, Uh-oh. same. I did not like have a good grasp of her. Right. It would have to be someone who has like a strong look. Yes. Almost not beautiful too. Right. Like mm-hmm. beautiful, but not beautiful. Very you know? strong bone structure. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. One one that one that they could make plain, but as she got older, would be stunning. Um, more and more into her beauty. Yeah, her? that's yeah. Tony Collette. It's Tony Collette then. There or yeah. <gasps> no, it's um she's playing like I'm sorry for anyone who loves Eleanor Roosevelt, but she's playing the ugliest um first lady on the show First Ladies on Showtime. Mm. Um, she is uh, Mulder's love interest. Um. Oh, why can't he think of her name either? <laughs> um, what is the the who plays her in the Marvel thing? Um, what is it? The, not the Immortals. What is that? Oh, the Inhumans. No, no, the oh, Eternals. What? The Eternals. Okay. She's yeah, the a Inhumans character are in that. She is. Show ever. I think so. Ah, uh, well, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it has Anson Mott in it. It did not get its time. <laughs> And oh, Gemma, we will Gemma agree Chan, to who disagree. Looks nothing like who I would assume um, Cersei would look like, but everyone who's listening who has any X Files knowledge is screaming the name of the actress that I'm trying to think of from Vintage X Files, like yeah. the redheaded. Yes. Oh, yeah. Jillian Anderson. Jillian Ab- Anderson. That's, that's, it. that's oh, it. Jillian Anderson. Absolutely. Cersei. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Uh, you guys should watch First Wives, the first women. Oh, or first yes. ladies. Yeah, first ladies. It's, called. it's very good. Okay. And um, gorgeous Jillian Anderson is giving great uh, flattery to um, mm. Eleanor Roosevelt. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with you on that. 
And it doesn't have to be a young Jillian Anderson. It could be a now Jillian Anderson because she just gets more and more beautiful as she ages. And I want to know where the portrait of her as in Portrait of Dorian Gray is. Mm, Like, someone (laughs) is just getting more and more gorgeous. Stop it. That's how I feel about um, (laughs) um, in Wonder Woman. um, Oh. uh, Robin Wright plays her aunt Antiope, I think. Yes. She's so, so yes. good in it because yes. she's so strong. Yes. But man, she is so beautiful. Yes. I love Robin yes. Wright. Yes, she, she is. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. She might also be a possible Cersei. She's definitely How about cool. she's, she's just purse. too old now? She's purse. Okay, yeah. Oh, there because she can be very, like, pettish. Yes. You know, she's yeah. done roles where she's very, you know, Mm-hmm. Co- like not coarse, but prickly. what was that one where, where she was the first? She was the first lady. Um, that is House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know where she got to because I that? backed off. But well, he's a monster. In he's real a monster, life. and she became yeah. a monster in the show. In the show, yeah. But yeah. Uh, her uh, her actor opposite, lead, yes, leading actor is yes, a yes, monster. No, nope. um, <clears throat> that's why I only wanted to acknowledge her. Part. <clears throat> yes, she's brilliant in that. Uh, up to what I watch. This question kind of confused me, so I'm interested in your insights. Okay. Cersei says that when she first meets Odysseus, he seems nearly familiar to her. Why does she say that? Who, if anyone, does he remind her of? Mm. Well, I was going to say, I wonder if it's some sort of mystical thing, not knowing that she's going to birth his child, that she is reminded of her future child. I wonder that, too. Because at that point, she's not aware yet. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing. She's not aware of her power yet. There's, But the power is starting to come up, but she doesn't recognize it yet. So maybe that's it. She does know she has foresight because yeah. she asked for a vision of the Minotaur. Yeah, that's true. And she has a vision of um, Medea. I that say- I don't know if she had a legit vision. Because she does do like a vision in the water mm-hmm. of the Minotaur. Did she do like a proper vision for? Felt like it just like Medea? came to her. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was more her intuition. Maybe. But what? Say. How do you separate those two right. things? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. See, this whole t- the time that Odysseus was with her, I kept confusing myself with his time with Calypso, because it's like. Man, the man does not know how to stay on a boat. I mean, it's not really his fault, but I mean, it's like it takes him. I had to remember, oh, yeah, it's not like he was on his 20-year exile with her the whole time. No. He was only a short time, and then he gets back on the boat and gets shipwrecked on Calypso's Island, who who entices him. It it reminded me, it, it, it finally dawned on me. Oh, Cersei was the one with the banquet table. Yeah, it's like I know I'd read that part with the pigs, but it when with, with the men, I it, I thought they were coming to her cottage, and it didn't appear. It wasn't the same in my brain as all the stories mm-hmm. I've heard of this massive, gorgeous banquet table, and they all just sort of fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Right? I think I could relate to why you might have that flipped in your brain for two reasons. Okay. One is. 10 years fighting in Troy. Yep. So the um, exile by Poseidon and not being able to get home is only is half of his journey time. So the 20 years away, 10 years is war and 10 years is exile. Mm -hmm. But in uh, the Odyssey, which you told me you'd read, Mm -hmm. the story of Calypso is first, but it doesn't chronologically happen first. Like as we learn here, right? That Mm. this happens first, but it is told first in the Odyssey. See, I felt that it didn't occur to me, oh yeah, he was only gone a total of 20 years, not 
10 years in Troy and another 20 mm-hmm. coming back, mm-hmm. being yeah. gone 30 years. It's like, oh, 10 and 10. Yeah. yeah. My knowledge of the Odyssey is a passage that I had to read in high school and then many, many viewings of O Brother or Art Thou. <laughs> <laughs> that's such an awesome. It is. Oh, that song movie. is in my head. I love it. Um, Man of Constant Sorrows. That is, it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. What is the significance of Cersei's meeting with Trigon? How does it impact her emotional journey? Well, we talked about this kind of mm-hmm. already. Yeah. It demonstrates her selflessness, mm-hmm. her stick-to-itiveness. Her bravery. Yeah. The absolute reckless abandon of a mother who will do anything, even because she knew that this is the first time in all this time that she has left, she's disobeyed and left her island, hoping to sneak down under the radar before she gets caught. But at the same time, she's she's willing to bring down the wrath of Zeus if it means protecting her son. But nobody else that has ever come to Trigon has ever gone as far as she did to make it happen. Because the things that they wanted were fame, fortune, whatever. And even, you know, she, I don't think the experience of her as a mother doing whatever she would do to protect her child is not a universal experience amongst any of the goddesses who are mothers either. That's true. Like, I don't think any of the ones that we know of would have (laughs) done the same thing that she did to protect their child. I mean, we know for a fact that they will eat their young, they will eat them or (laughs) other things, you know, that I think it shows her, her sliver of humanity and and, and mortality that she is willing to put herself at risk in that way to protect her child because she wants to protect her child so much. You know, she knows her child is mortal. Well, a lot of the time the gods see their children as rivals too. And she, Mm -hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't even know what what Athena has seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And and her, so, like, just her willingness to set aside mm-hmm. anything but his safety. And she never even worries about what it is that Athena is so worried about either. You know, she she doesn't care what it is that Athena her, is. Her son comes first. Yeah. Like yeah. It, she's not like, oh, well, maybe she's right. Maybe I mean, there's a sliver of a second when she's saying, "I'm going to take your child." But in return, I will send you a perfect child who's going to do exactly what you want and everything's going to be fine. And she's for a second is like, that does sound nice, but no, I'm not going to do that. Nope. You know? Children are she not entertain that yep. for a second. She thinks, yes, that does sound good, but I'm not. No, of course mm-hmm. not. Children are not sacks of flour. I, that's, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that line got replaced, repeated because I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. Like stupid people say that to grieving parents you know uh, yeah. well, at least you have other children or you could always have more or something yeah, stupid not... like that yeah not sacks of flour no. which you should say if you ever lost a child and someone said something stupid to you like that <laughs> yeah uh, this is not the pet that you replace no <clears throat> there are numerous references to crafts in the novel dun, 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 <laughs> including weaving carpentry and metalworking what role does craft play in Cersei's story she finds herself mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and she, it helps her connect with another woman yeah yeah um, I love the bonding that she has with Pers- uh, Persephone Pen- Penelope Penelope I love Penelope's someone else, story. Right. Like her classic story is that like, well, when I'm done weaving this cloak, I, you know, I'll <laughs> decide. 
So every night, every day she weaves and every night she takes out what she did. And then she's uh, sorry, I'm not done yet. Like, it's going to take me a while. <laughs> I'll make a decision whenever, whenever this thing is finally oh, done. Oh, geez, whenever. <laughs> and look, and, and she did that for over a decade. She didn't have to do that until the people started coming back from the war mm-hmm. and her husband wasn't among them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after that, she had to put up with all that. And I just thought she was so brilliant. But also, I don't know that I could work so hard on something and then rip it all out out. night after night after night good allegory of like or example of a woman using something delegated as like a womanly hobby like a a thing that's like yeah that's women's work to find her power within yeah yeah absolutely To, to, to hold the fate of that kingdom for a decade yeah in her in her weaving hands yeah i love she's Cersei's getting ready to leave and she explains all these dangers that could come upon her and she's and Penelope's like I have a little experience with yes. what unwelcome is. I, like I love that. I love that. And you know she just had just had a small smile on her face yep. like I I think I got this. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, not my first chance. Yep. I love how there had to be you know, would you like to be the witch of Aya? It's like, would you like to be the dread pirate robbers? We're gonna need a new one. <laughs> I totally thought about that. It's just the name. Yeah, you you should need a new one. You want to be? Here? I'll teach you my ways. <laughs> and I love this bonding. I mean, I at first I thought, okay, here here's the mother of the king. Here's the the wife of the king, and here's the mistress, and somehow they're all together, mm-hmm. and they got to make a life together. Yeah, but how long? How long you? How long you stay in? Oh, I don't know. However long your son says, I'm done leaving this cloak. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which that does happen. Like when the cloak is done, a transition happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was intrigued by how. Um, I'm not experienced in weaving like I am in other ways. Like how Penelope removes her unfinished thing to start a new thing. I'm like, you can't do that, right? I don't know. I don't think you can do that. Well, I don't know. In a way to save it to then go back to? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she she is a goddess. Does she cut the threads? I don't know. It didn't say that she cut the threads. She says she removed her unfinished weaving. Yeah. You know, whatever, tapestry, whatever, to start a new one. But she's not a goddess. She's just a human. Yeah, she's mortal. Yeah. I, um... Maybe his loom is so advanced and fancy that it's easy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. A day's worth of work, wouldn't it take a day to tear out? <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, also, like, the careful craftsmanship of a well-made thing to mm-hmm. show your care and concern. But on the, back to the subject of the um, sharing the loom, I love when um, Cersei laughs to herself that, Letting another womb, woman touch your yeah. loom was tantamount to letting her lie with your husband. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, you oh, never yeah. weave on oh, another yeah. woman's yeah. loom. Here you yeah. go. Oops. Kind of did that. And then she's like, hey, um, do you have a black cloak I can borrow? She's like, no, but you can use my loom. Oh, I love that. So I love I've everything got yarn about and that. I've got a loom. And she's yeah. like, okay. I love everything. It's the like acknowledgement of like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I. I got to sh- use yours. You can use yeah. mine. <laughs> Sisters sticking together, you know? Yeah. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And, but also the like, well, I don't have this, so I'll make it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I also loved that it didn't end up being what she was afraid it was. That when she, it, she feels like she's naive and trusting Penelope and, mm-hmm. and, um, 
and letting them come there and use her. And she's like, well, maybe they're, you know, what is she using me for? Like, why is she here? She figures it out. It's just to protect her son. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they do be like, but at that point I was afraid that it was going to go the way of like, she was being tricked again or something bad was going to happen. And it wasn't the genuine female friendship that she thought that it was going to be. Yep. But then it did end up being that. Yeah. Well, just like she was afraid, like, no way does Odysseus's son want to want to be your right. friend. You know, mm-hmm. she's got this distrust of women. I've I've known enough about the ways of of mankind and politics mm-hmm. to know that. Well, Odysseus with, said it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she only has Odysseus's viewpoint mm-hmm. of of the hierarchy, and he doesn't really. He was he doesn't he was not the one who raised his son. Mm-hmm. You know, Penelope raised his son, so that's why he. He's is similar to his father in looks only. Yeah. Cersei is interested in Penelope from the moment she hears about her from Odysseus. What draws her to Penelope? Does this change over time? She says, like, when Odysseus spoke of her, it was, you know, in such a way that she was like, that does sound like an interesting person. You know, he, he speaks about her, you know, getting... I can't remember exactly what he says about her, but like getting what she wants and being, you know, steadfast and mm-hmm. all of these things that is intriguing to um, Cersei as, you know, a mortal. She's like, well, that sounds like an interesting person I would like to know. And then when she has the realization that like, wait a minute, he told me that she gets whatever she, you know, nobody knows what she's doing until it's done. I think that was the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, she, nobody knows what she's crafting until it's happened. And you didn't even see it happening. And it's true because she doesn't see it happening until it is already come to pass that they are, you know, living there with her and and under her protection without her even realizing that's what they came there for. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the woman who, like, men tend to choose similar. Like, the yeah. what attracts you to her and maybe I have those qualities. Right. You know, mm-hmm. because you're attracted to me. Similar. Yeah. Well, they both have inner strength. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised when Telemachus refused Athena? Why or why not? I wasn't surprised because I didn't see it in him to want that. Nope. And I wasn't surprised when Telemachus decided that he was going to take that offer. When she was like, well, do you want to do it? And he was like, Ganus. Yeah. Yeah. She was, he was like, yes, I do want to do that. Yeah. I was like, of course. None of that was surprising. No. No. (laughs) It it was and it wasn't in that I knew that's really what he wanted to. But I will say when I did it, I audibly went, oh, shite. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe you just said it to her. It was impressive. I had an audible enough that my my son, my, or my youngest from upstairs turned and I goes, are you okay, mom? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just a book. Just a book. I was impressed by it. Though. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something about the way that Telemachus talks about Athena's demands on his life sort of made me think of, like, the way sometimes you hear abuse victims talk about yeah. Um, yeah. about their abuse. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't sure at first if he was saying it in glowing terms that she would come to visit. But as the, as he told his story and he refused her, you saw that, no, it was a horror yeah. show that she inflicted upon him every time. Yeah. 
And Cersei he wanted also, nothing to do with that. Cersei also had no idea that that's what he meant by it. Because mm-hmm. when he when she goes to him and there he's working on the boat and he's like, I'm actually mad at you. Yeah. And she's like, why are you mad at me? He's like, why would you think that I would do that? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I thought that the way that you talked about it was that you wanted it to happen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that, like, that's, you don't that's know the me. point. You don't right. know me. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't know my life. Yep. So yeah. that's the point when he like shares that it filled him with, sh- with shame mm-hmm. when she came to him. Um, but I was really impressed with his strength of character yeah. Yeah. to also like, it's constantly these people truly discovering their true path. Like mm-hmm. um, that's the, the flowers of true being. Right. So finally Telemachus can say no to, mm-hmm. to Athena. Cersei encounters several famous figures from Greek mythology. Were, were any of their portrayals surprising? Um, Athena a little bit because a little bit, yeah. I only saw her portrayed in positive helping light in the Odyssey. From the male gaze. Yeah. Um, but mostly, like, in my experience of mythology, the gods are jealous petty beings yeah. who want what they want and will take it regardless of the consequences yes. rarely exhibiting fairness um odysseus was it was just another coloring of odysseus but it wasn't it didn't really change it wasn't starkly different it I was not think. starkly yeah. different yeah. i mean but you knew a man a person of his stature who was in that position of power had to be as, as kind as he was with her was also capable of immense cruelty. Yeah. I was surprised at the cruelty towards his son because in the stories I, you know, of the homecoming of, I mean, in, in most, in the, in the Odyssey, um, you only hear him up to the point that he meets his son and, you know, he defeats his suitors and they all live happily ever after the end. So to me, so? this was a content that to me, to me, it was, and, because I didn't, I haven't finished the Odyssey yet. That that was that's always been my perception of it. Because to me, this is the these the part two, the book two of of their story. Mm. That a continuation that's like what the where you get the full story of Telemachus and his relationship with his father after he comes home. Mm. Um. It, it honestly, rem- personal note, like makes me think of my own father who was a tempest at home and, but everyone else perceived him to mm-hmm. the public as a very like magnetic personality. He must be the nice one. Cause mm-hmm. my mom also suffers from RBF. Like yeah. when really my mom was the like calm centered yeah. one. <laughs> um, so I, I appreciated um, Telemachus being able to tell the truth of of his father. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you, in going back to what we were talking about before, he doesn't do that to um, Telegonus because he has like rose colored glasses mm-hmm. for what his father's legacy was, and he is the good half older half brother mm-hmm. to not spoil it for him. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yep. More of Telemachus being good. Yeah. <laughs> How does Cersei's relationship with her father change over the course of the book? What do you make of their final conversation? 
it changes in that she decides to stand up to him. Yep. You know, she knows her whole life how powerful he is. And in her mind, she's afraid of him or Mm -hmm. looking for a way to please him and can't do it until she decides, like, he's just like every other god I've ever known. You know, Mm -hmm. what makes him special? I can stand up to him like I've done to all of, you know, to Athena. Yep. You know, like, she's just as powerful Mm -hmm. as Helios in a different way and she's like okay well i guess he's not the big scary guy that i always imagined that he was you know she sees him for what he is finally instead of what she imagines that he is yep and she goes from being afraid of his wrath to knowing that she could withstand it or handle the consequence or like she's okay with the consequences or that he's lying about it yeah because he can bring his wrath down upon her head but she knows he never will because yeah. he would have done it before or she has this thing that she can hold against him to blackmail him and she knows like he's you know a blowhard who's gonna say like well if you do that i'm gonna do this and she's like but you're not yeah you haven't done it yet i haven't done it yet and <laughs> i'm gonna go tell zeus right now what i did and if you wanted to stop me you know i mean or you're gonna do what could. i want you because how many times did he say do? i could turn you into stone or i could you know i could he makes these threats but why didn't he yeah, I mean, because well, she might still be useful. Yeah, like I not think because that's he loves her. Or no, 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 no. There's no love involved. Usefulness, useful. Yeah. 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 And she says to him, like, you knew what those sailors were, and you let them come to my island anyway because you didn't care. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't. Nope. Uh, we see numerous powerful characters abusing their positions throughout the book. Are power and abuse necessarily connected? Are there any models for power without cruelty? Power yes. and abuse. Ultimate yeah. power ultimately corrupts. Sure. It's a truism, Unless you're right? Ta- yeah. I think Cersei's the um, example of that in a different way. You know, you could speak about power as like your influence over over other people or your own powers. You know, there's. I think you could read that two different ways. In that power and abuse do go hand in hand in this and, you know, make an example of what it's like to be under somebody's thumb right because people only abuse <clears throat> divvy out abuse on those that they have power over right well you, power the abuse doesn't go upward it only goes downward let's, i think let's examine that for a okay. second in our example so obviously helios if nothing else his abuse is neglect of her mm-hmm. sometimes it's wrathful but it's usually neglectful her mother same she yeah. has no interest in this child except for what she can do like take right. the screaming aids away um but pacifay and persis her the two middle children they are abusive they yeah. they seek out to torture her but they have no power right they they perceive that they have power over her because she does the, because she will take it and not and not dish any of it back. She will not. They know that she will not stand up for herself. Yeah. So while they don't, they're not in a position above her. They're more lateral. Mm-hmm. In her, in her, they have in they, they did find they, their power faster though. So that's a good point too. Yeah, because she doesn't assume that she would have anything special about her because so many people have told, told her, her that nothing. there is nothing special about her. Mm-hmm. And she sat, she was the only one who sat at her father's chair hoping for some scrap. And I think that distracted her from seeking any power for herself. Mm-hmm. Whereas they, they never had any chance of getting a scrap from him. So they went, 
you know, seeking it. Which is to her benefit, ultimately, yeah. because she doesn't end up the way that they do, in finding yep. their power in however it is that they found. In the ugly ways. Right. Yeah. Um, Prometheus has power, mm-hmm. and he uses it for good. Yeah. But he is punished for that. Yeah. So there are models of power without cruelty. Yes. But generally, they are connected. Right. Yeah. Or if you use your power for good, something cruel will happen to you. Yeah, no good deed goes unpunished. Right. I mean, these things come from somewhere, yeah, right? It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cersei's gift is transformation. How does she transform from the beginning of the novel to the end? Mm. Why does she ultimately choose the path she does? I mean, the ultimate transformation at the very end, you know, of the book, she decides to change who she is and give up her divinity to mm-hmm. become immortal because I feel like she knows that's how she can relate to people who she ultimately feels are worthy, mm-hmm. you know, and she never has met a God that she can relate to mm-hmm. in that way because no. she's not like them, you know? So I think it's coming into her power in a way that's giving up, you know, she gives up her power. Right. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, some poetic, thing about that you know that in order to become who she truly is she has to give up what made her you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. but yeah she transforms from being you know meek and quiet and timid to learning to stand up for herself and to use her voice that everybody has always told her was to her you know devastation like nobody likes you because of your voice like literally her <laughs> voice imagine they're like it's like you start talking they're like oh they're like i can't listen to ah you. i was warned about her <laughs> when okay. um who is it apollo comes and she's like he's like hello i'm Please here don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. best if you talked as little as possible yeah. <laughs> i've been warned about you yeah. please do not speak i don't want to hear it here's your prophecy I'll see you later. it's been delivered you know, by now you know, you know what that, i feel like it's like that twilight zone eye of the beholder where oh, the where one. yeah the one where she's they're like oh my god she's still so ugly we can't stand it well, it's okay. We're going to put you in a place with all the other ugly people. <laughs> and it turns out she looks like Marilyn Monroe. She's yeah, gorgeous. She's gorgeous. And, and they, they all, all look pig pig. Yeah. 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 So maybe it's like that. Maybe she actually has a yes. fabulous voice. Yes. And it's it's charming and beautiful and lyrical. Uh-huh. But the people are so ugly themselves yeah. that they anything of beauty, of real beauty, just repels them. Yeah. I mean, she sounds like a human. And then she becomes a human. <laughs> I was like, Your voice is nails on chalkboard. Like, and they yeah. tell her that yeah, all I the know. time. Like, sure, maybe you've heard people who don't have the most dulcet voices, but I've never met anybody. You wouldn't like, be like, oh, oh. God, I, can't I mean, <laughs> yeah, please don't say anything. I've heard uh, I've heard audiobooks that I had to stop, but it wasn't because it really was not the quality of their voice, but the way they pronounce things or <laughs> yeah. the way. <laughs> Met there, people with accents that I don't particularly care for, or I will say the timbre of their voice or whatever. There's but. only if I had any critique, and it's not with the author. In the Audible, there's one point where she mixed up the voices. Oh, but but then I'm like, okay, and I was like, I was confused around. I'm like, no, I know who she's talking about, but she got so caught up with it, and nobody else corrected it. I'm moving on. Hmm. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, the point of this book is Cersei's transformation. And she yeah. transforms many times over. Yeah. Like, yeah. she goes from the... she's Her direct path is not weak and timid to... Um, right. I'm a powerful human being now. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, she goes from love, from ignored to more ignored to vicious to loved to lonely to loved again. Right. It's, it, it's an interesting journey of that, who she started as to who she became. But maybe, maybe that's the point. Transformation is never a straight line. True. Yeah. 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 Unless well, you're butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not even as straightforward as we think that it no. is. Yeah. There's some interesting research where they open up the um, chrysalis and it's not what you think yeah. inside. Yeah. That's true. It's very interesting. Um, I'm glad you guys enjoyed this. Yes, book. I did. I it, it. Was, it, it was a delicious treat. And I'm excited that it went in this direction mm. because... Um, I want first. I want to look at the maidens again because some of this mm-hmm. relates. Some of the mythology in this, I think, relates back to mm-hmm. the maidens. Um, I can't think of the author's full name, but you know, we read yeah, it a few months ago. Yeah, Mikali- Alex Michaelides. Yeah, I think Alex Michaelides. That's right. Um, but also, similarly, this is her second book. Yeah, fantastic. Now I can go back and read her first book. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> Well, I'll pass it to you when I'm done. Okay. Um, so we, I these are not books I've read, but they are my suggestions. If you liked this, then you might okay. like these. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Song of Achilles is Madeline Miller's first book. Um, extremely popular. Um, and it is the story of Achilles, the best of all the Greeks, and um, his journey. Cool. It's a love story. Nice. Um, these are three that I came across. I think this is a genre. Modern, modernizing Modern Greek. Greek. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Wake Siren by Nina. Oh, Wake Siren, Ovid Resung. Nina McLaughlin. Um, and this is a story of, <clears throat> I think it's um, the, um, it's a Medusa story. Yeah. Oh. I think. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I like it, it looks good. Look at this cool cover art. That's gorgeous. Art. Good. You know, if I had a tattoo, that that might be it. <laughs> it's Maybe, pretty cool. If I had a tattoo, but... it has a griffin. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. Uh, a thousand ships uh, from Trojan women whose fates now lie in the hands of the Greeks, the Amazon Trojan princess women who mm. fought Achilles on their behalf. From Penelope waiting for the return of Odysseus to the three goddesses whose feud started it all. Mm. These are the stories of the women whose lives live, whose lives, loves, and rivalries are indelibly imprinted on history's most infamous war. Sounds interesting. Okay. Shit Cassandra saw. <laughs> <laughs> Cassandra may have seen the future, but it doesn't mean she's resigned to telling the Trojans everything <laughs> she knows. That is an incredible cover. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I mean, they all have really cool covers yeah. in their own right. Um, okay, uh, Shit Cassandra Saw by Gwen E. Kirby, A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes, and then Wake Siren, Ovid Resung, Nina McLaughlin. Cool. I think that, that, that last one, I think that's going to be the first one. <laughs> I just love that title. Um, Shit Cassandra Saw. Yeah, I, like <laughs> I mean, that. well, yeah. Um, well, let's go yeah. fast mode through what else we read this month because we're nearing the two hour mark here. Oh, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> it was a book worth two hours. Of yes. Oh, no, I'm not <laughs> saying it wasn't, but. Uh, go ahead, Karen. Okay. So 
I decided to reread a couple of books because um, it, it be it's a modern urban retelling of Alice in Wonderland, and called the the first two books are called A Blade So Black, and the second was A Dream So Dark by L. L. McKinley. And the reason is is because the third book in the trilogy is coming out in September. A crown so cursed Ooh. and um it's really really good it's 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 kind of interdimensional now into a little bit of horror a little bit of Ooh. fantasy some definitely some steamy romance <laughs> um but yeah so what is that, it called um the third one is called a crown so cursed but it is the nightmare verse with a hyphen between mm-hmm. um the thing is, like these poems that 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 the that they speak out are actually like spells, Ooh. you know. So cool. So and Alice is this really awesome gal with a fro, and she's really badass, and she's trying to save the world from these nightmares while her mom, right after her father dies. Aww. So that's what kind of propels her into it. So she's trying to also, and her mom is just like, it's all she has. And so, anyway, so it's really, really good. So I was rereading it and it's really fantastic. And then I have some books that I am going to be reading. That doesn't um, count. <laughs> well, she had a recommendation. So um, it's if you like this, then you might like Okay, that. well, then hold off on you that. You say that until you read it and then you can recommend it next time when you can well, check it off your list. <laughs> I'm getting into skincare and it, these are just a couple of books on how to make my own skincare masks. Oh, that, that sounds so, cool. Um, I am reading a cheesy romance series um, by Meg Cabot and it's the um, Little Bridge series, whatever. Uh, Little Bridge Island, that's what it is. And the one I'm reading now is the first, which I realized was a trilogy when I went to pick a book and I had picked the third one in a trilogy and I was like, well, I better go back and start with the first one. Mm-hmm. It's called No Judgments by Meg Cabot and it's fine. She's pretty prolific, isn't she? Like, I feel I like think I've so. seen her, I feel like I've I've seen seen her, her name. name. Yeah. It's not the best novel I've ever read and the author or the um, the narrator of the audiobook is not the best narrator I've ever listened to, but I've been enjoying it. You know, it's cute. I know what's going to happen, but you know. Nothing's as bad as that tragic thing that I made us read before. <laughs> Oh, yeah. A, a very prolific romance novel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> extremely yeah. prolific I wiped novel. it from my memory. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Um, I mean, it comes back up every once in a while when I have, like, somebody It comes older. up, like, regurgitating. Yeah. Well, when I have, like, an older um, person who's been in the military mm. and you, a woman who's been in the military, oh. like, I'm pretty sure that I came across the death certificate of someone who could have been in that book. Huh? Um, and I'm pretty sure she was way more effing awesome. You probably <laughs> Yeah, just probably. from some other things I learned yeah, about yeah. her. So every once in a while, it does come to thought, but I mostly, mostly no. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't spoken same, but if you follow us, you know what book we're talking about. Yeah, you can go back. I don't want to ruin it for anybody that does enjoy oh, it. Oh yeah, we did not enjoy it. No, I have a feeling it's probably not even her best work. No, though, too. Like it just didn't stand well as no, a it novel, didn't. and it and I'll stand by that. Yeah, um, I've still been pursuing my um quest to read all the Bronte novels Mm -hmm. Uh, so I finished Jane Eyre I think I was in progress on that when we were uh, last recording I finished Agnes Grey and Wuthering Heights which Wuthering Heights is so Uh, one of my favorites it's It's different than the movies oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) like 
They're really heinous human beings. <laughs> yes. I almost liken it to an early horror yeah, genre. Yeah, it's definitely gothic. Yeah. Very. Um, and now I'm on The Tenet of Wild Bill Hall, which is interesting, too. It's it's. What's long. that last one called? The Tenet of Wild Bill Hall. It's um, Anne Bronte's second novel. Um, and um, then there's going to, I think there's like three more Charlotte Bronte novels that were published. I think there's a total of seven novels in their Ooh. collection. Uh, so I'm about halfway through. It's cool. interesting. It's good. I like it. I'm glad I'm doing it. Nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, Karen. What are we reading, Karen? We are reading The Vanishing Half, a novel by Britt Bennett. And this is her second book. Her first book was called The Mothers. Um, and that came, that first book came out in 2020. And this is one for 2022. Wow. Um, twins in, here's a little, little snippet about it. Twins, inseparable as children, ultimately choose to live in two very different worlds, one black and one white. The Vignes sisters will always be identical, but after growing up together in a small southern black community and running away at age 16, it's not just the shape of their daily lives that is, di is different as adults. It's everything, their families, their communities, their racial identities. Many years later, one sister lives with her black daughter in the same southern town that she once tried to escape. The other secretly passes for white, and her white husband knows nothing of her past. Still, although separated by so many miles and just as many lies, the fates of the twins remain intertwined. What will happen to the next generation when their own daughter's storylines intersect? Weaving together multiple strands and generations, The Vanishing Half is at once a riveting family story and a brilliant exploration of the American history of passing. Looking well beyond issues of race, it considers the lasting influence of the past as it shapes a person's decisions, desires, and expectations. And uh, it's one quote was, it's the one of the most unput-downable -put reads of the year. Mm -hmm. Sweet. To which my youngest said, oh, it's better than Old Yeller. As opposed to a rabies dog. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to share that. That's, anyway, it was one of the New York Times 10 best know. books of the year. So, let your child who's know. the author? Hilarious. The author is Britt Bennett. Nice. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So, also a beautiful cover. It is beautiful. Cover artists are real talents. Mm -hmm. I, I have had the privilege of knowing. It was a, a splash friend. of colors, and until this very, very moment, I just saw that it is these this this art of two sisters' faces kind of overlapping and melting. Mm -hmm. I did not see that till just now. I don't think I did either. <laughs> you see it now? Yeah, before it just looked very abstract. Very, very abstract, but now you so see artful. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, we'll see you in July for that one. And in the meantime, if you have any book recommendations or if you want to tell us about something that you're reading or if you have comments or whatever about this episode, please tell us um, in an email or comment or whatever you want. Um, and we'll have a regular book. No, a regular podcast episode coming out uh, first week in July. Um, so you'll see us then for that. And new classes um, for the studio are going to be coming out in the first week of July as well if you're listening to this when it is coming out in mid-June. So we will see you in a couple weeks. Woohoo! Bye everyone. Thanks for joining.
Strings Unraveled is a production of Strings and Things Studio with Anne Leckervin Cazzoli, Katie Von Rader Fraker, and Karen Wilmoth. Recorded and edited by Katie Von Rader Fraker. Find us online at stringsandthingsstudio.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Strings and Things Studio. You can email us at stringsandthingsinfo at gmail.com. 